Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. I'm also, you know what I'm fucking excited for? is fucking Barbarian. Oh, yeah, I was thinking about going to see that this weekend. Why is it called that? I want to find out. I'd pay $100 to find out what that title means. What's yeah. in those rooms in those catacombs? I'd pay $100 to find that shit out, too. I love that trailer. I keep sending it to people, and they're like, hmm, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm like, what? What the hell's the matter with them? That's what? Like, it looks fucking awesome. It looks great. I might be Weird. biased because the the girl's just walking around going, Keith? Keith? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the marketing speaks to me in some kind of vague way. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Like, anytime you're like, open a basement door and somebody comes crawling out and you're crying for help like i'm in yeah the catacombs under mysterious catacombs underneath a seemingly normal house let's fucking yeah. go yeah I love the catacombs is there an eight out of ten sh- ten chance that this movie's gonna suck sure don't care not this one specifically but that like premise you know like yeah i'm still i'm still going for it no and but the thing is that evocative title is like what really sews it up i'm like ooh, this right. looks interesting why is it called right. that? What's going to be the right. fucking like goofy bonkers like unfolding twist? It might not be like a brilliant all-timer thing, but I think I'm going to have a good time at the movies for sure. Yes, I agree. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Barbarian. It's crazy. It's also like I was looking at showtimes for this weekend. Like we just have the one like other than the Grand Cinema, there's just the one theater in Tacoma. And it's playing in XD, which is like the, you know, fake IMAX. I was like, that's surprising that that's their XD movie right now. But then I guess at the same time, there's not a lot of big tentpole movies that have come out Weird. in the last couple of months. You guys aren't getting, or do you guys have the uh, Jaws in IMAX or in 3D? I think Jaws is playing. I haven't, I didn't check the show times for that. And then like Wrath of Khan is playing tonight. How oh, weird. Uh, but it's not, I think it's just on one of the regular screens. And it's just tonight, like, one showing. Yeah, Jaws has been playing all over. Like, people yeah. are talking about how good it is. Was it the 50-year or the 45 or something? Probably. Or? Probably all of those. It's just swimming through time. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, do I really want to see, is it going to be worth it to see Jaws like that? And I was like, eh, actually, no. I'd rather see Jaws, too, if I had my druthers. <laughs> I've seen Jaws in the theater. It was pretty cool. While we're on the subject of sharks... Yeah, speaking of sharks and speaking of movies that are literally a remake of Jaws 3 by way of Jurassic Park, how about this Deep Blue Sea business? Oh boy, this is a movie. We've been talking about doing this one for a long time. I think we've chatted about it previously. Yeah. To all you super fans out there, if you can find which episode we talked about Deep Blue Sea and previously... Uh, we'll send you a secret mystery prize that no one else is ever going to get. So hit us up on Instagram at Trash Heap Pod yes. if you figure that out. And then uh, we'll send you something real nice. What is the Trash Heap, Keith? You said Trash Heap Pod. What is it? Yeah, that's I don't this, know. this show that we do. It's the Trash Heap Movie Podcast where we're out to prove once and for all there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions. And we're given these discarded gems discarded gems like deep blue sea that no one watched the first time around or the second or third and uh we're giving them a second chance well you know here's the the funny thing that's what i thought too that no one's seen this movie really wait did you think that 
not that no one's seen it, but I was like, kind of like, I kind of thought that it was like a flop, you know? <laughs> Apparently, I found out this morning doing a little bit of research, this movie was made on a budget of $60 million and made $160 million. It's a fucking juggernaut. And it, it was also was critically a- acclaimed. Roger Ebert famously praised it for its uh, uh, breathtaking action scenes that never let up. <laughs> so that's mind-boggling to me. You know, I just thought this was kind of one of those movies that just kind of came and went. You know, like I knew people were aware of it and like it's very famous for like the one scene, the Samuel Jackson like surprise death scene. Like, But that's kind of like all you ever hear is people be like, oh yeah, yeah, terrible movie. But what about this scene? Terrible movie. But this scene's fucking dope, you know? It's, but, it's like that, but it's also more of like one of those movies where they're like, this movie's terrible, but every single scene is fucking awesome. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> I love every moment of this movie. It's not just that that scene. And I have so many questions about like how self-aware, you know, different people making the movie are because I feel like some people were very very self-aware about what type of movie they were making and other people were not aware at all, you know. Oh, I love that so much. Like you have a complete movie here, but it's like lots of people involved in this movie were just off in their own little world like their own little pocket universe just like oh i'm making my deep blue sea over here and and we're over here making our deep blue sea and it all just yeah. got edited together 100 percent. you know the, I, the premise like just the the whole fucking conceit of the movie is, it's insane what is the plot of this movie keith a semi-evil scientist with a emotional past trauma is genetically engineering sharks with massive colossal brains in order to harvest their brain juice to cure alzheimer's and that's so, that's there the you gist go. of it that's the gist of it and thomas jane is an ex-pirate who just needed a job <laughs> <I guess. laughs> he, he he just has a way with sharks though he's just one of those guys who has a natural way with sharks you know like how there's horse people you know or dog people like Somehow they just have that way with him. He has that way with sharks. I didn't really know that there were, that was a thing, but this movie proved me wrong. Yeah, he's like the template for uh, the raptor guy from the new Jurassic Park movies. What's that guy's name? Owen or whatever? Owen, yeah. Uh, the, the actor, the character, or the The, the character, yeah, not the... He's like a oh, combination of Robert Muldoon and uh, Owen. What a shitty com- character name. Hey, I'm Owen, the raptor guy. Yeah. But meanwhile, well, we had Robert Muldoon, the raptor guy. That was sick. Well, it's a pretty shitty Old movie. Old movies so. are better than new movies. I also, you know, like you said, that, like, uh, that Deep Blue Sea is a combination of Jaws and Jurassic Park. Jaws 3 Jurassic specifically. Park. Jaws 3, From yeah. The Jaws water 3. Park, yeah. The water park and underwater tunnels and all that stuff because there's this huge, like, you know, aquatic facility out in the middle of the ocean where they house the sharks and, and the it shark seems, they do a good job making it feel absolutely expansive. It feels massive yes. under there. Yes, but also like it, the opening scene is straight up like a slasher scene. Oh, like it feels it's, it feels it's like a nightmare. He's like yes, Jason Voorhees through the floor of a boat. But it's a shark. Yeah, they but he's got, got, got the face of a shark. You know, he takes he's like off the mask and he's like, ah, guess who? <laughs> I mean, it was a shark the entire time. <laughs> No, but it's like, yeah, it's like these people on a yacht partying, drinking wine, having a good time, and a shark just pops up through the middle of it. The wine spills over, it looks like blood, 
it's insanity. And then Thomas Jane just appears out of nowhere with a harpoon and catches the shark. And he's like, how'd you get out? Get back in your pen. One of my Seriously. favorite moments during that whole, like, just chaotic scene is when uh, th- they're surprised by the shark and uh, the girl, there's a girl and she t- uh, tilts her head back right into the face of her male uh, companion. I love shit like that because that's the kind of, like, clumsy bullshit that happens in real sort of calamities like people Mm -hmm. do awkward things or they're in weird positions and they do something unpredictable and like someone like falls over or like goes over a railing or like rams their head into somebody else's face like that's great shit absolutely it's a tiny little moment but like i love that stuff when it happens yeah and this there's such such a great shark theme too, like the the murder theme that plays over like the logo Mm -hmm. i love it in fact i'm gonna play it right here so you guys can get a little uh a little uh refresher on it That like sets the perfect tone for the rest of the movie because it is like this is a a slasher movie like it's got people and they're getting picked off one by one by insanely intelligent killer sharks. I mean that's also like the little bit of uh you know foreshadowing where he goes like how would you get out? It's like these sharks have become super smart from their brain experiments. Yeah, uh, they broke a so, convention. Yeah, some kind of genetic law in science. Uh, in order to achieve that brain mass. So you're not supposed to do that. Because... No, sharks can only have brains of a certain size. Otherwise, they'll start like driving cars, taking our jobs, marrying Yeah, you'll women. end up with super, you'll end up with super intelligent sharks that also seemingly can change size at any given moment because yeah. in some scenes, these sharks are like 10 feet long. In other scenes, they're like 50 feet long oh yeah they they dip in and out between like yeah normal size shark and like a fucking like megalodon which is amazing i love it it's amazing yeah you know no this is a cool movie it's a lot of fun it is kind of difficult to see you know tell how aware everyone was like i said like i think sam jackson knows exactly what's going on with this movie yeah uh thomas jane some of the other people i'm not so sure I don't know if Riley Harlan was going out to make a goofy movie or a, se- a serious movie, and this is what ended up. I don't really care. No, you're correct. This is a remake of a goofy movie. Yes. <laughs> he, he's like, you know, that that the Max goofy. Instead of cartoon great. dogs, we're going to have hyper-intelligent sharks. <laughs> what was really missing was the sharks. Yeah. Rennie Harlan's great, man. Like, he is... He has made some stinkers, but he's also responsible for some of my favorite movies. Like he immediately came over to America as a like a Euro trash dirtbag and was like, I want to make movies in Hollywood. I want to be a famous director. Give me job. Yeah. And he he fucking landed feet first in oh wait, I think his first movie was that movie Prison. So that was his his very first movie was a movie called like Born American, which oh, right, is about right. like American students who get like captured by the soviet union or something but yeah prison was his first like like uh like studio movie i think you know and from that new line cinema was like hmm this looks pretty good what if we give you the keys to a nightmare on elm street part four 
yep. the Dream Master, which is my favorite in the series because they cooked up some breathtaking visuals. Yeah, they also cooked up some some pizzas that were pretty gross in that movie. They did, yeah. Little faces on the pepperonis. Yeah, the soul food. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Ha, ha Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but then, yeah, like then right after that, it's Die Hard 2. Holy then we got shit. Cliff. I think after that, it's Cliffhanger, right? And then, then things start to go a little bit wobbly because he's like huge. He's got like the keys to the kingdom and he gets to do Cutthroat Island and it's not good. And it was a huge bomb and was really expensive. And then after that, his career is kind of like a little more all over the place. Yeah. What we don't even last... need to like talk about that. I don't no, want to like just, bring I'm, down I'm the more energy. Just, I'm just more curious. Like, when was the last time you made a really like fun, entertaining movie? Is it Deep Blue Sea, or is there something after that I'm not thinking of? Because he kind of went into direct a video territory after that. Yeah, he uh... and yet a lot of uh, overseas movies as well. Which is bizarre to me, finding out how how much of a hit this movie was. Oh you shit! Know, you he think that... directed The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah, but that was like still like. That was that was prior to this. That was like yeah, I think his movie Deep Blue Sea, right after uh, Cutthroat Island, because Cutthroat Island had Gina Davis, his wife at the time, <laughs> and so did Long Kiss Goodnight. Cutthroat Island, <laughs> it holds a world a Guinness World Record for largest box office loss. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> the fact that that's a category, well, or at least it used to be. I don't think it is anymore. And it's <laughs> bad, felt like bad. It's bad because the one time I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. Let's see if it's really as bad as people say it is. And I got like 10 or 15 minutes in and I was like, I don't have the, the time or energy for this. Yeah, it was but Driven, yeah, Mindhunters, Exorcist. Oh, Driven, the right. Mindhunters, right. And Exorcist at the beginning. Yeah, so we kind of did do. And Exorcist at the beginning is kind of a weird one because he was kind of hired to reshoot the movie yeah. after they didn't like the movie that, that Paul Schrader had filmed. It might be cool so to yeah, do an episode on those two movies one day. I've never watched either one of those, so I would love to do that. Yeah, it's, not, it's such a fascinating scenario. Like, I don't think anything like that has ever happened in yeah. film history. Not to that extent, I don't think. You know, where it was just like, okay, we're scrapping an entire movie, reshooting it, and releasing and going it to re- under a different title. Yeah. But we're also re- releasing the old one, too. <laughs> it's so bizarre. I mean, there's definitely movies that have been, like, heavily reshot, you know? Like, so there's, yeah. like, two cuts, you know, that exist. There's, like, one's, like, the original director's cut and then, like, the studio interfered cut. Like, that's happened a bunch. Yeah. You know, and they, and they recently, I mean, not, I guess, relatively recently, they tried to release the Richard Donner cut of... Superman 2 because half the footage was shot by him but half of it was shot by someone else yeah. you know type of thing and but no, yeah not in the sense where they reshot the entire movie and then really entirely didn't use a single frame and then ended up releasing both movies yeah. you know that would be a I I would well, that should be let's do that for October sometime in October that'll be a lot of fun yeah look forward to uh, that everybody it almost seems like seeing how much money Deep Blue Sea made, like that should have been his comeback movie, but it wasn't. When I and, think Driven, right after yeah. that was also another bomb, and everyone was just like, "Okay, yeah. this guy's yeah done." That movie's pretty bad. Yeah, so it was Driven, and then Exorcist that really just sunk him. It, but I mean, I don't even think Exorcist was his fault. It, you know, no, but you know, the, I mean, like I that stink doesn't come off. That's true. You know, like. I mean, like I said, at best, he's kind of seen as an, an 
inconsistent director. You know, it's a gamble. Yeah. You know, he's delivered some huge hits and he's delivered some huge bombs. So it's like, might as well just go with somebody else. Yep. Type of thing. But anyway, back to the. But deep he knows what sea. the fuck he's doing when it comes to action. I mean, fucking cliffhanger! Come on, dude. Yeah. That's all you need to know, right there. Arguably um, a masterpiece and uh, uh, a movie that uh, set the stage for people like Christopher Nolan to come in and do like breathtaking, like real stunts. But he he to his credit, he uses a lot of movie magic shots, which I love. Like I've you know we've been watching movies long enough, we can spot that shit when it comes up. Like oh. That water scene was shot on a soundstage, or at least they they shot some masters actually out on the water. And look at all these inserts that were shot on the right. soundstage. And you can clock it if you know what to look for. But like, it's cool to see that that they're like, we don't need to go out and like spend a ton of money and act like maniacs. We can make this look just as good shooting on someone's, uh, you know, backyard pool with uh, you know the lights turned down. I like stuff like that too because to me it doesn't really bother me when sound stages look not a hundred percent real because it's a, just a, it's a different look, you know, it's like, there's a lot of artistry in that set design and it's different than when you just have like a, like a, you know, like a, a fake looking CGI background. Yeah. You know, it's tactile and real. And I was even like watching this thing about, um, about a, a vertigo and you know, there's a scene where I think they're under the golden gate bridge and then it cuts to a soundstage and like uh, Hitchcock specifically wanted to cut to the soundstage because he wanted it to look surreal. You know, he's like, yeah. I'm making this this dreamy movie, so I want to keep going back and forth between locations and 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 sets because I don't want it to look a hundred percent. And that's, I mean, that's a stylistic choice, not just like, oh, it's too expensive to shoot on location type of thing. You know, so yeah, we're exactly. going to do it like this. You know, so to me, that really works. That's not necessarily the case in uh, Deep Blue Sea because we do have a lot of really bad CGI. But I think this is one of those instances where that CGI, bad CGI, has aged great in the sense that watching it now and watching these goofy cartoon sharks makes the movie more fun. Oh, definitely. But also the interesting thing about the way that this is cut together, you've got all these incredible uh, shark puppets, but rarely are those CGI shots merged with any of the real life uh, actors or puppets? So you yeah. could essentially take the like the guts and the meat of this movie, redo all those CGI inserts, and you could update the movie. Oh, you could one hundred percent. Like in most cases, like it would work like almost seamlessly. Yeah, you just paint over some stuff, and it would look. Totally fine. Yeah. They did a that's, good job structuring this. That's never going to happen, but no. boy, would I like it to happen, because I would like to see what that looks like. I've only seen this movie a couple of times. This might be the third time I've seen it in, in its entirety, but like I noticed that right away. I was like, look at that. They did a good job just like structuring this so that if they had to cut those shots, if they were bad, like the movie would still work. I was yeah. like, that's really like pretty ingenious. And the shark oh, yeah. puppets look fucking awesome the shark puppets are very good and it's yeah. like even though i said it's like fun how bad the uh the, the cgi shark looks it would be interesting to see like if they had just done puppets how how would this movie have sold differently you know because a lot of the goofiness comes from when the sharks are doing like physically impossible things as cgi characters you know 
And if you if you were limited to like, okay, we can't make the shark do this because we're only using puppets and puppets can't do that, would this concept of smart sharks seem more plausible, at least in the context of this movie? And would this seem like not such a camp fest? Would it seem more like like a high concept, like like well made thriller? One of my favorite moments regarding the 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 level of uh, sort of activity of the sharks is when they really lean into the gag, and it's like they're trapped in the elevator shaft, and they're talking about what the sharks are doing and how smart they are, and then all of a sudden they hear this rattling at at mm-hmm. one of the the door hatches. And they all look up like they're expecting a fucking shark to walk out of through the door. Yeah. Fucking yeah. brilliant. There's so many things like that, like that, but also just not only when the characters are doing that, but like I'm, you know, watching this movie for the first I'm watching this movie for the first time. I'm expecting anything to happen. Like, yeah, I'm expecting these sharks to turn around and start talking English, you know, just say like, you're dead or something. Yeah. I'm expecting someone to get bit by a shark and then slowly start churning into a shark. Well, they practically you know? do talk. Like when they grab a, a main scientist, I forget his name. Oh, uh, Skarsgård. Yeah. When they grab him, when he's sort of, you know, he gets his arm bitten off by a shark and then he's dangling from a, a rescue helicopter on a gurney and mm-hmm. then he gets dragged into the water by the shark. The shark is interested in sending a clear message to the survivors. So it drags that that man on the gurney in its mouth through the water and tosses it into a big picture window. As yes. if it's it's sending a message of war. It's like here's your man, yeah. we're coming for the rest of you. Like yeah. this is not over by a long shot. That's right. tremendous. Right. That is tremendous. And I'm just saying like it, it I'm saying like literally anything could happen. He, the shark could physically start, start talking and i wouldn't be like oh that i didn't that seems inappropriate like that took me out of it i'd be like i'm ready for anything to happen in this movie and even though that stuff doesn't correct me if i'm know. wrong now, yeah isn't there a wasn't there a deleted subplot where the sharks were psychic or like had telepathic powers and well, could like that sounds familiar i like, feel maybe like there the, was and i feel like there's a leftover moment i can't remember if l o cool j Hello, Cool J's in this, by the way. <laughs> yes. As the this... cook. He's taking over where Steven Seagal left off in Under Siege. <laughs> right. The cast is Sam Jackson, LL Cool J, Thomas Jane, and like kind of like the height of his career in the sense like he wasn't a big star, but there was kind of this notion that he might take off and become a big star. Yeah, he was then, sort of a hot, didn't... like lower level guy. And he, right. Like, he had been in some indie type movies that were like really talked about he were definitely would have been like you know like the rookie draft pick in the nfl like that yeah. equivalent like you know like this guy could be like the next the next big thing yeah stellan skarsgård that's it and then michael rapaport also at a time in his career where he was like kind of in that limbo of like is this guy going to become a bigger actor i like never like i don't think it ever like there was a a notion of him being like a huge like leading man but kind of like just one of the guys who's in stuff all the time you know yeah so i mean like you have a mix of a really big star ll cool j who's always kind of this road this in between type of thing you know but like is well known and then these people who are possibly primed to become stars and we can't forget uh saffron burrows yeah i have never seen her in a movie before or since 
Oh, what? Are you telling me you've never seen The Bank Job or Wing Commander? <laughs> no. <laughs> or Law and Order? I have seen Law and Order. Was she, was she in that? She was on Law and Order Criminal Intent. Oh, I never saw that one. Or She was the in Troy. She, okay, I've seen Troy. As uh, one of the good-looking people. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, she was great, though. And then who else was in there? Uh, Jacqueline McKenzie as the panicky love interest of the main doctor. Yeah, what else is she in? I don't. There's another person I like. Don't oh, know. no clue. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> well, no, but that's it. I mean, it's also a small cast, and for a small cast, the majority of the people are at least faces. You know. Oh, and Ronnie Cox is in it. When he's like the uh, like you know the the counterpart to uh, Sam Jackson in the office. Scene. Oh, the right at the beginning, yeah. Yeah, and he doesn't say anything. No, he's just sitting there, and like Sam so Jackson's th- like leaning on his shoulder. So there has, to, I mean, I imagine there has to be a also deleted scene where he had lines. Yeah, you know, like a subplot that he was in possibly in two, and then gets cut out of, you know, and then it's like, well, he's still in this scene, and we can't get him out of there, so it just. Here's Ronnie Cox. Yeah, come on. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Come on, uh, wow. Warner Brothers. Release, <laughs> Warner. The, release the Harlan cut. Yeah. Village Roadshow Pictures. Come on. I think we, we got to talk about specifically, like cast specific, we got to talk about LL Cool J. Do you think this is like the highlight of his acting career? Uh yeah, without question because yeah, me too. This is one of his, I think, one of his first movies, if not his first, and he is having the time of his life. You know, he had been in stuff prior to this. He was in um. Do you remember that movie Toys? Wasn't he in that with Robin Williams? Oh, maybe. I think that might have been. I think I'm pretty sure that was him. I think that might have been his first movie. He was also on like that. He had his own TV show called In the House. He was in stuff. He was in uh, Halloween H2O. Oh, yeah. That would come later? Yeah. Or so, yeah. He's in. I can't remember. That Was was that after Was that after this? It would have been Halloween 20 years later. So, that would have been 98. Oh, it was 98. Deep, it was so before this. Is a this. Y- this is a year after. Oh, my God. He definitely has that wide-eyed, excited look like this is his first movie. Because he's yes. having so much fun just, like, yucking it up, talking to a fucking bird, talking to sharks. Guess what? Before R. Kelly was trapped in the closet, L.O. Cool J was trapped in a convection oven. He was trapped in a convection <laughs> oven. Okay, I'm looking it up. His uh, first movie role was the hard was in the hard way with Michael J. Fox and James Woods. Oh, weird. Then it's then it's Toys with Robin Williams. I think that was his first like big role. Yeah. Then he's just in mostly in a bunch of like TV stuff, whatnot. He's in Baps, uh, Caught Up. And Halloween, and then this. I think so. This is like his first, like, this is like Halloween and this are like two of his bigger roles. Yeah, this is when he hit his stride. You know? And he was like, hey, give me a lot of shit to work with. And they're like, okay, you got a bird. And he said, great. Yeah. And then they said, you're a cook. He's like, awesome. Now you're a, a mysteriously religious cook called Preacher. I mean, he also seems like a character who would die off early, and he's like, well, one of the last two standing and like shoots the and he, he delivers the final blow to the shark. Oh, to the, he the has last shark. one of the great movie moments of all time. Are you talking about like this is for eating my bird? No, that's a good one. That's a great one, in fact. And that should be his his shiny moment. Instead, 
they let him shoot the fucking harpoon gun and not only does he miss but it goes through the shark fin into thomas jane's leg in the climax of the movie who would allow something kooky like that amazing yeah that's but so then, good. But, and then it leads then to he, him blowing up the shark. Yeah. But, like, that's I great. mean, ultimately, he kind of becomes the hero of the movie. And that's kind of what's interesting about the kind of the structure of this movie, too, is who the main character of this movie kind of keeps shifting. Like, Thomas Jane we see first, right? But it's in this kind of, like... Yeah, and you think he's going to be the... Because they do this whole, like, setup of him being this acrobatic like underwater acrobat like perfectly at home in the sea uh you know a fucking emotional connection with the sharks and like oh like this is the guy blonde hair wetsuit like the whole deal right and i so like you see him first but then like it's in a very brief scene then it instantly shifts to saffron burrows she kind of seems like the lead of the movie for a little while then it kind of goes back to thomas jane then we kind of feel like Sam Jackson is taking over, but then is instantly, you know, taken out, you know, and then at the end, like L cool J kind of emerges as the ultimate hero of the movie. And he also gets like his own sort of parallel adventure. Like, yes, because he's separated from the rest of the group initially. Yeah. So he's off looking for his bird, battling sharks, exploring the kitchen, uh, while the rest of the group is off, like surviving on their own. Like, he and, gets his own little mini-movie within the movie. And as goofy as this movie is, the way it kind of seamlessly switches between who you think is going to be the lead, so you never know who's going to, who is actually going to die or not die. Because, you know, I mean, like, in these movies, you know, it's like, anyone could die at any moment. But, like, I know this person isn't dying. And usually if there's a switch like that, it happens once in the movie. Yeah. Like, you know, it happened, you know, like, oh, I thought this was the main character. No, it's not. It's this. it's this shifts like three or four times. And you expect you know? so, like, yeah, you expect some of the someone with a science background to survive, right? They need the scientists right. to like solve problems and figure things out. You're hoping that the the reluctantly evil, ambitious scientist that kind of set everything off is going to get their comeuppance, but you're not sure. You're thinking maybe. But she's not even like that bad, you know. It's just kind of like she got in a little over her head and maybe like did some questionable things. A little. But they also, I can't believe I mean, you're a. <laughs> I think can't believe you're a shark brain defender. She didn't know that she was creating super shark smart super super smart sharks, and she actually has good motivations instead of evil motivations. Well, the road you know? to hell is paved with good intentions. Right, but I mean like. Usually it's like these people like get like so caught up in something and it's like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, she's trying to cure Alzheimer's, you know? Uh, and she has a traumatic backstory that makes any types of things she does uh, understandable. She's not just solely caught up in like ambition and glory. And, no, she's and not whatnot. greedy or in it for herself. But right. just because she's trying to heal trauma doesn't make it right. Uh, and it doesn't make it any less satisfying when she does get eaten. I'm not saying I'm not saying it makes it right. I'm just saying like she doesn't seem like the tr- traditional, like it seems like she could have a redemption arc, you know. And it almost seems like that's going to happen, and then she gets eaten by a shark, yeah. you know. Like I think that would be a much more traditional type of thing is that she would end up being like, okay, I'm going to do the right thing, you know. But that's not what happens. And I and in terms of building suspense. 
even in a movie as goofy as this, it does a tremendous job through this kind of like you never know exactly who who's in charge. Yeah, it's very unpredictable, know? like who's next. Yeah, much, much more so than in your typical movie like this, you know? Like, you know Brody is getting away at the end of Jaws, you know? Yeah. Anyone else could die, but you know he, you know he's going to do it. Or if he does die, it's going to be at the very end. He's going to sacrifice himself in a heroic way to, to, to save somebody, you know? One of my favorites is actually Michael Rappaport because they're, like, underwater fixing something. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we did it. Thumbs up. Ah, oh, crap. There's a shark behind you. And he's dead. Yes. He's ripped apart into like three yeah. pieces. I mean, all the deaths in this movie are pretty good. Yeah. You know? My favorite, uh, my absolute favorite being um, a blonde lady in, in the whatever, the flooded elevator shaft or whatever it is. Where the yeah, shark yeah, just yeah. comes up from underneath. And it's like, it's not a very like creative one, but just the way it's filmed and the the slow motion involved, like oh man, it's glorious. It's good. And then the you know obviously the Sam Jackson one's a, a classic. Another part of that scene that I love is so right. That's where he's he's giving his big like motivational speech, and then he gets eaten by the shark. Right, you know as you think he's going to lead everybody. He's talking about how he's had this is not the first like extreme life or yes, death scenario that, he's that been unnecessary in. Unnecessary backstory that about is so him, fucking entertaining. And it's like, but he's talking about how he was like. Well, he's like climbing K2 or something like that or Mount Everest or something. And like they get like in a snow ice storm or something. And he's he has this line in there. He goes like, you think water moves fast? You should, well, see, you ice. should see ice. <laughs> Which I'm like, what? I remember watching that in the theater. I was like, what? No, water is faster than ice. And then he says, Always. A- then he says avalanche. And I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Is an avalanche ice? Like, also, water still faster, <laughs> you yeah. know? He's got another great line too. He's like, he's like, we all swore an oath to never tell you what I'm telling you now, but I'm breaking that oath. <laughs> what and what do they do? Like they 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 killed somebody to like survive or yeah, f- uh, seven of us uh, went up that mountain. Only five of us came down, and it wasn't the the snow that killed. <laughs> right? Yeah, it was like Great. some. I was like, are you admitting to cannibalism? Like, what is going on? Or was here? it like it was? It's so bizarre because like, is it cannibalism or is it like? The, the tension they you know because he's like talking about working as a team you yeah. know and it's like was there like under the in stream scenarios was there enough infighting that it led to like someone like fighting and killing each other killing each other you know yeah um yeah whatever it is it's just, it's fucking great it's a fucking great scene even beyond the surprise death yeah you know and it's that's crazy because that is the famous moment but i'd argue that like the gurney getting thrown into the window, Skarsgård getting his arm bitten off. Like, there's tons of other hilarious and great moments in the this The gurney movie. might be, like, the first, like, total, like, 100% what-the-fuck scene, it, you know? It's a fucking act of war, like a blatant, like, piece of psychological, like, toying by the shark. Awesome. I mean, you, ev- you don't get everything... That any other yeah. movie. Everything in this movie is over the top, right? And like, it's all kind of like you're just going like, okay, like if you're in, if you're if you're along for the ride, like out of the gate is like, okay, they're using shark brains to cure Alzheimer's and they're making them smart and all this, like whatever, right? That scene, like you're watching this and you're like, man, this movie's weird. This is goofy. And then that scene happens where it's like coming at them with the gurney, throws it in water, like not like doesn't let it go, doesn't. 
doesn't uh, drop it, just crash it into it. It like literally throws it from its mouth and it starts accelerating from its mouth underwater and goes through a window that like is designed to withhold millions of pressures of, uh, of water pressure, you know? Like that is the first like completely loony scene in a movie that's already loony, you know? And then after that, it's just like, okay, what's going to happen next? And at the beginning, they're like, hey, there's the main scientist. What's he doing? He's peeing into the wind. Yes. Who and he's literally that. And he's literally peeing into the wind. <laughs> Who wrote that? Man. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, did the writers, were they writing something that they thought was funny or. I think that was such a weird time in movies where you could write some nutty shit like Jason X or yeah. peeing into the wind. And people were like, hmm. Let's give let's roll the dice on this one. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, this movie like there's so many dumb movies that come out now. This movie would not get made now. Because you know? of the political over undertones. <laughs> yes, all the political undertones. Yeah. If it did get made, it would be like stuff would also be like over-explained, you know? It would it wouldn't have fun with its goofy premise. It would take its premise so seriously that it, any fun would be zapped out of it. You well, know? I'd say the Meg is probably the closest equivalent, but they didn't really like, they pushed the humor in like the wrong yeah. ways. And there's a couple of really fun gags in that movie, but I'd say overall it's like, they were too into like submarines and kind of like acting like it was a space movie underwater. Yeah. It was a movie that like, it was like trying to have its cake and eat it too. And it just didn't work. You know? Yeah. It was just like, instead of, instead of just, instead of treating a goofy premise seriously or just having fun it's like this scene is going to be dead serious and then this scene here is going to be a completely like slapstick scene yeah you know and it doesn't it didn't jive i don't know i've heard the book is pretty good but i don't I, yeah I, there's I, a couple I, of uh, squeak wolves too i bet uh i'm gonna see if i can go find some at half price books i'm gonna do a ooh. lot of reading this winter probably yeah. just about sharks Honestly, yeah. based on this movie alone. It's <laughs> just like, it's going to kick off the winner of the shark. Well, plus I also saw, while well, I was poking around for this episode, I saw this New York Post article, massive 50-foot megalodon detected in Atlantic Ocean stunned scientists. What? A fucking 50-foot shark is swimming in the Atlantic, pal. What do you think it, about when, that? When was this article from? We're all fucking dead. Uh, Well, uh... I took this screenshot yesterday, and when I took the screenshot, the the story was nine hours old. So yesterday, in the Holy morning. Holy shit. Yeah, we're fucking, it's over, man. The age of extinction is upon us. Ever heard of something called the food chain? Okay. We are rapidly so, sinking to the bottom. So I Googled it just now, and the first thing that pops up, the first the article is from the New York Post, which is not No, most the of the most... shit they write is phony. <laughs> yeah. But so, I love their headlines. So I don't know. I want to believe this, but... What I want to see next year in my life is I want to see a UFO come down and hover over the ocean and promptly have a giant shark leap out of the water and eat it. That's I mean, that, isn't, like that, isn't that why they they why sharks have survived for all these millions of years is just to fulfill that purpose of the future? Maybe, maybe that's why the aliens stay so high up in the atmosphere. They're like, we're not going down there with those terrifying water beasts that you have. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Yeah, I'll steer clear. So, how do you feel about you know? There's all this you know. There's all this talk about like sharks being like 
there's so few shark attacks and the criticism of sharks uh, villainizing, uh, movies villainizing sharks. Do you feel that it's fair criticism or not fair criticism? Well, here's the thing with sharks. They should be respected no yes. matter what. Absolutely no yes. matter. There's that video that went around the internet not too long ago where it's, it was just a small shark, like maybe like a three, three foot shark or something like that. This guy's trying, he accidentally caught it fishing and was trying to get the hook out innocently enough. Like what a good guy, bro. That guy makes one attempt and immediately loses his pinky. Jesus. And he, you can, you can hear him. He goes, he's like, Oh God damn it. I just lost my pinky. Jesus. Yeah, man. Like sharks are to be feared and respected. Like stay the fuck away. Don't touch them. Like don't do anything like, you know, I mean, like, if you're going to lose a pinky, though, or if you're going to lose a finger, what a great way to lose it. Yeah, you could do a lot worse than that, for sure. Like, I know a guy who's missing a pinky, and it's like he just fell off his motorcycle and got his hand, like, caught underneath it. And, like, it just kind of, like, like skidded across the pavement and, like, just ripped his pinky off. Just ground it out. Yeah, pretty much. Boring. And it's, like, boring. Like... Man, imagine if, like, what happened to your finger? I was like, a shark bit it off. It was bitten off by a shark. Yeah. I don't think if, that the sensationalism is of, of, like, a movie, like a fictional movie where they're genetically engineering the the brains yeah. of a shark. Uh, I don't think that is contributing to, like, a negative view of sharks. Not this movie. But I mean, I guess Jaws specifically is the one that was like kind of like, oh my God, people, you know, started like, people started like killing sharks more after that movie came out, which I don't think is necessarily the movie's fault. I think that's a stupid society's fault. No, I think, I think that is um, going to occur regardless of, you know, there's if you, gonna if be you some... made a movie about giraffes, like all of a sudden people would think giraffes were dangerous and that is a, right. that is a them problem, not a giraffe yeah. problem. Yeah. Like, I don't think the movie should be held, in that case, the movie should be held responsible. Uh, here's my other thing, too. It's like, I understand shark attacks don't happen very often. I understand sharks really aren't that dangerous. Have you looked at a shark? Have you looked at the face of a shark? Are you telling me not to be afraid of that thing? Yeah. Like, get out of here. What do, what do you think uh, Dr. Loomis was describing in Halloween? The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. He was talking about the eyes of a shark. Just Absolutely. Soulless, dead orbs. Like, I mean, we just we just said earlier that 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 Jason Voorhees took off his hockey mask and it was a shark. Maybe it wasn't Jason Voorhees. Maybe it was Michael Myers. Yeah. There you go. This is a this is a shared universe with the Halloween franchise. We got Halloween's end coming out in a few weeks. I'm expecting there to be a shark in that. It movie. is no, it's not a few weeks. It's like still a month away. Oh, I thought it was like more soon than that. What October fourteenth, bro? Okay. If you want to talk about Halloween. A little over a month. The, the, new, the oh. Halloween trilogy. That oh man, I can't wait. I can't fucking wait to see what insanity is happening. It's gonna it's gonna be wild. Like I said, I would I genuinely wouldn't be as surprised if there's a shark in that movie. Oh yeah. yeah. After how fucking batshit crazy the last one was. Yeah. Like, fucking Roy Scheider shows up and he's like, "You're gonna need from a, beyond the grave. You're gonna it's need a, a bigger pumpkin." <laughs> it's a CGI Roy Scheider. Yeah, it would have to be. <laughs> well, yeah, he's dead. So. <laughs> Although they did have like that Dr. Loomis showed up and some pretty good makeup. I could see it. Oh, Let's man. bring it on. I don't even want to talk about that that shit yeah. again. Go go back and listen to uh Trash of Ween Kills, everybody, and get our full thoughts on 
Halloween kills and the Dr. Loomis makeup and all that. My thoughts stuff. on that movie are const are constantly an evolving like kaleidoscope. There's of- rarely a week that goes by that I don't sort of just like drift off and start ruminating about that movie again. <laughs> it's like I've only seen it the one time and I was just like the new one's coming out. I was like, okay, I gotta watch it, you know. Halloween is my favorite franchise of that type of, of like slasher franchise. Like I gotta watch it again, you know, but part of me is afraid to, you know, it's like, will it not be as crazy in my mind the second time around or will it be even more so to the point where my brain just melts and I'm never oh, the man. same? All, all the fun is in finding out. I guess so. If you don't hear from me again, you'll know what happened. <laughs> I watched Halloween Kills for the second time. Any more highlights from this movie? Any like standout moments that really like just like tickle your fancy? What did you think of the shark vision? Oh, that's weird. It is weird. And a lot of times in movies, I think that stuff is kind of dumb. Um, like obviously it works in Predator, but there's other time because it's like, and it works in Predator pretty much. You know, it works in Predator. Before we, it's, we only see that before we ever see the Predator. Once we've seen the Predator, we don't do that anymore. You know, because it's like we now know what this thing is, and you, you're having it. This you're having that vision because that point of view because it's still mysterious. Well, and also clues other you times, into it's like, the the tactical advantage that the Predator has. It's like, oh, right, this is how exactly. it's getting the drop on everybody, right? Versus like, say, like Alien Three, where they do the alien vision with like the stereoscopic. Yeah lens and it's all flattened out and weird it's trippy and weird and you get to see like the fucking alien running across the ceiling i guess but it's not like you're not like oh how is it how is this advantageous to the alien in any way like this looks like fucking it's giving, making me car sick right and, and then here you get the similar <coughs> effect but there's also like a sort of like a conical like scenario here where like you've got an end point and then like up through the sides, it's like this weird shimmering effect. And it's like, well, how the, can the shark see anything? I like it in this movie because it just seems so fake. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem like a real thing, but it's like, yeah, here's the shark vision. And it just, it just throws it into like the anything can happen grab bag aspect of this movie. You know, yeah. give me more. Give me more. I found it relatable just because there's... There's sort of two pathways when you're drunk, right? There's like the I'm I'm relaxed and and happy and and maybe a little tired kind of drunk feeling, but then the on the opposite side is the I'm excited and I feel like a million bucks and I feel more athletic than I normally do, like I feel strong as if my brain has been genetically engineered by science. And like that's how I felt. I was like, "Oh, that's that's what I see when I'm I'm feeling that way." <laughs> you know, you yeah. know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. When you feel like you can jump like 50 feet in the air, like lift up yeah. a car. You're like, I can Absolutely. do anything right now. For sure, I could swim around I'm... on the water and eat Thomas Jane if I felt like. It. I'm sorry. I honestly was a little distracted there. I got the gist of what you were saying, but I wasn't as engaged because I was skimming over this article. And it turns out that that uh, megalodon that they thought they saw was just a school of fish. Oh, no, but it was shark-shaped. It was a shark-shaped school of fish, yeah. It's like, they had, like, it was like an infrared camera, and I'm looking at the signature of it, and it's like, oh, yeah, it looks like a big shark with a dorsal fin and tail, and it was just a school of fish. So no giant 50-foot megalodon. 
Well, thanks for ruining it. I'm saving You're this welcome. screenshot, though, and I'm going to send it to everyone I know. You should. I'm gonna... Let them find out for themselves. No, it's just a screenshot. There's no link to the article. I know. I mean, but they could still Google it the way, the way I did. That's the way you do it. No one's going to yeah. Google it. They'll just trust me. Everyone believes everything I say. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I've, n- I've never doubted you for a second, Keith. It's really, like, hard for me to pick individual scenes. Like, I really like the opening, like, slasher scene. I like the the stretcher scene. Um, and I like the the whole, like, initial LL Cool J battle with the shark with the with the, uh, the, the the parrot and him setting the shark on fire with, is it a bottle of sherry? Is that what he uses? I thought that was just, yeah, just like cooking wine. Yeah, which is like so ridiculous. And I'm like, that's going to take you a long time to get even like a little buzz, pal. Like that's not yeah. how it works. Well, he's just doing it for the flavor. He is, yeah. He's just, it's just like a coping thing. His little vlog scene where he's like, his like video diary where he's like, if this is the last thing, you know, the last record of my life and I have one message to leave you, it's, uh, you know, he says something religious and all this stuff. And then he's like, now here's how to make the perfect omelet. (laughs) So good. It is good. I love all of his like religious stuff. He's like Daniel in the lion's den and blah, blah, blah. Like all these references. And I'm like, you know what? This is fine. This is entertaining as hell. Why did they write this? into his character i have no idea maybe he asked them to maybe yeah or he was him ad ad libbing something and like they add you know like you hear the stories of an actor ad libbing so much that it screws up the continuity so then they have to rewrite the script oh yeah you know to like the fit the, the stuff that he said earlier so that could have that could have been something like that have you ever seen so there was a sequel to this movie that was direct to video which also, once again, surprising me, finding out how big of a hit this movie was at the time, you know, even though it kind of fell from memory. Uh, have you seen the sequel? I have not, no. I do you have any interest in seeing this no. sequel? Me either, because, like, it's just none of the returning cast, different director, direct-to-video. Like, there's, like, I would say there's just the mildest sense of curiosity to see, like, just how bad it is. yeah. But I don't know. It's I don't I don't think it's going to provide like an ounce of the same amount of fun. No, and it's it's funny because after this, everyone really leaned into the bad CGI shark movie, and mm-hmm. so even with the like the the renaissance that we've seen recently with movies like The Shallows and whatever else, and even um, what was that found footage movie? Where the people are, uh, they're trapped out at sea. Oh, open water? Yeah, open water kind of set off a resurgence of that stuff too. But just all of those movies, they just didn't have really anything that like would hook into me. I gave uh, The Shallows and Shark Knight 3D a, a look. And Shark Knight 3D is actually, it kind of sucks, but it, it has a lot of the same kind of like fun campiness that Deep uh-huh. Lucy has just none of the like the big action set pieces and kind of clever writing and things like that. So it's definitely missing some stuff, but you get like a bunch of people trapped in a grocery store that's flooded and it's full of sharks and they all have, uh, you know, a hidden past and all this stuff that, you know, gets revealed at some point during the carnage. So it's got some meat on the bone for sure. But uh, yeah, for the most part, all these shark movies and stuff are just like, mm. Yeah, I honestly thought The Shallows was a pretty good movie up until the ending. Yeah. Um, like, I was 
there was some things that bothered me about it. I, I didn't really didn't like the fact that they had like kind of like this tacked on backstory of her mom or dad or somebody dying of cancer because it just seemed like a very cheap way to try and make you care about the character. Where it's just like, you know, right before she goes surfing, she's on the phone and be like, yeah, I know mom died, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't need that. I'm invested in this person just trying to get away from the shark. I don't need this, this lame backstory. Yeah, and that's where I um, think people get confused on, like, we always talk like, oh, the a good horror movie always has characters that you care about. And, you know, it means something when they die and blah, blah, blah. And some people, they run that just too far. Like, they right. don't run it into the end zone. They run it, like, off the field. Right. And I mean, it works in some movies, you know, like the movie, the gray kind of has a similar thing where this guy, like, you know, his wife has died and and whatnot. And, but it's, but it's much more of a through line throughout the movie. And I think it ultimately works. This is just like literally like a 30 second, like little blip, you know? Yeah. It gets in the way, like the final confrontation and all that and stuff in the climax, you should have had that stuff already resolved by the time we get to like the really satisfying part. Right. And then it's like, and then, yeah. And so like that bothered me up in the beginning, but I still thought it was like a pretty like well-made like movie, like how is she going to get out of this situation? And then the ending is just so dumb in a movie that's not that dumb, you know, throughout that I I can't get, I can't get on board with it as a fun, goofy ending because it's not a fun, goofy movie. Yeah. You know, it just, yeah, it kind of like, like sank the movie for me. But I'm just look. I was just looking too. I did not realize this. Deep Blue Sea Two came out in 2018. I thought it was came out way before that. And Holy then there was a shit. Deep Blue Sea Three that came out in 2020. Which, how did I miss that one? Like that's what I needed during the height of the pandemic to, you know, help me get through it was a third Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, it definitely went straight to streaming on who fucking knows. That was totally under my radar. Well, now you I know what you're doing with uh, your weekend. Absolutely. Buddy. It's going to be you're... a fun one. It's <laughs> going to be a real shark night at the green screen residence. Do Okay, so before we get out of here. Well, real quick, I would like yeah. to just take a moment and say a few words here. I want to recite the shark's prayer very quickly mm-hmm. because I think this is one of the most masterful parts of the movie. And I don't know how much of this was written or how much was improvised. But it is truly, more so than the Samuel Jackson speech, to me, this is iconic. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, because I carry a big stick and I'm the meanest motherfucker in the valley. Two sharks down, Lord, one demon fish to go. Can I get an amen? amen. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> and then like, okay, let's not forget. I was going to go off into something else. Like it was like a little final cap off, but let's not forget LL Cool J did the theme song for this movie, the end credit song. He did do the which, theme song. Which features the iconic lines, deepest, bluest, my hat is like a shark. My fan. hat is like a shark's fish. <laughs> And I don't know if you've ever seen the music video for this movie. Doesn't he but turn into a shark? He turns into a shark. <laughs> it's so good. It's so. It wasn't even like a subtle, loose metaphor. He he just came right out and said, "Like my hat is a shark's." <laughs> Let's go.
You can't make that stuff. I mean, he made that stuff up, but like you can't. He was just all in on this movie, and it really shows. Like, man, this guy was committed. So before we get out of here, in the realm of animal attack movies, all right, do you have, and I was going to say, let's not talk, like, exclude the big ones like Jaws or whatever, because those are obvious givens. Do you have, like, an under-the-radar favorite animal attack movie? You know, I've always been kind of partial to uh, spiders. So mm-hmm. I like Arachnophobia and Kingdom of the Spider with William mm-hmm. Shatner. I really like that movie and like the insane ending that it has. But, you know, there's a lot of movies I haven't seen. Like when they, all those Tigers in the House movies came out. You Tigers that, in the House? That period. Yeah, there was a movie where like three or four movies came out where it was like, oh, there's a tiger on the loose and it's inside your house. What? Yeah, that movie uh, Burning Bright. No, I don't know this movie. Uh, from 2010? There, it was about a tiger loose in your house? Yeah, it's like a tiger escaped from the zoo or fell off a ship or something, and it's, you know, and then there's something going on inside, outside, so, like, it's trapped in this girl's house with her and her little brother. Whoa, this sounds cool. I have not... Yeah, and then there's some more, you know, there's, like, alligator movies, like, you know, like, Rogue and... Uh, What's the one with Lake Placid and all that? Like, there's yeah, tons there's... of great animal attack movies. I also like Eight-Legged Freaks. You know, Slugs is good. I like all that shit. I'll, I'll give yeah. most of them a look. It's just those shark movies where I know it's just going to be CGI sharks running around. Right. Uh, but I'd say Orca the Killer Whale is probably one of my favorites. Dude, you know, I've never seen that one. It's pretty entertaining. It's I, That's one I've always wanted, always wanted to watch. I just have never gotten around to it. They really take the the sort of revenge motif like as far as it'll go. I, I'm I'm with you on arachnophobia. I think that's definitely one of the the best, and I think that's a well liked movie. But I don't think it necessarily always comes up in the, the topic of yeah. like when animal attacks movies. No, I think um, everyone just always brings up the ghost in the darkness because that's probably one of the most mainstream. Man, I loved that movie when it came out, and. I watched it again, not recently, recently, but like years after such, and it's not that great. Yeah. I think that, you know, we talked about remakes recently. I think that's another, that's a movie that's like prime for a remake because one that's actually, it is actually a true story. Like that happened and like, it's not quite like that. It was, I mean, there's lots of little changes. Like it was female lions, not male lions, but they turned into male lions because of the mate, because they have manes and whatnot and uh, the, the the michael douglas character is completely made up but yeah that's something that we could, that we could certainly get again yeah it's crazy to think how many animal there's an insane amount of animal attack movies and there's a lot of good ones like most are pretty bad but there are a handful of ones that really kind of like shine beethoven you know you know the dog that composes killer symphonies exactly <laughs> I mean, even the Piranha movies. The new Piranha movies are like the original Piranha I liked movie. the stupid remakes, too. Like, they're just yeah. big, dumb, gory, booby yeah. movies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's something wrong with that. No, they were fun. Absolutely. Well, you know, that. there you go. That's Deep Blue Sea, everybody. Do you guys have a favorite animal movie? Do you want us to talk about it? Probably won't. But if you say something, we might. Yeah, speak up, you motherfuckers. So, I think that concludes this episode of the trash sheep keith unless you got something else nope that's pretty much it for me uh stay tuned we're about to have a an actual special episode coming up here to close out 
summer officially, so keep your mm-hmm. eyes peeled. And then we'll be hitting, like, October hard. Yeah, get ready for that spooky stuff. All right, well, that sums it up, guys. We're out of here. Keith, what do you always say? In the immortal words of LL Cool J, take me back to the ghetto. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everybody. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.